Welcome to episode 58 of Land the Plane Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Land the Plane Podcast. My name is Dustin. I'm Jonathan. And like we told you last week, we are once again joined by Bobby, who's uh, been helping us go through this um, series on apologetics, and we're excited to have him back for what, what we're calling is the wrap-up to the show. But Bobby is not our only guest today. So, not Bobby, today. sorry, you're losing the spotlight today. That's something I'm excited about. <laughs> but we're going to pass that over to... Uh, a guest that we're very excited to have and very um, thrilled to that uh, he has taken time out of his very busy schedule to come and join us, and that is Mr. Tim Barnett Woo-hoo! with uh, Stand to Reason, and also can find him with Red Pen Logic with Mr. B. And I, I was thinking I need some cool name like that, Jonathan. You need a cool name. You need something to make you cool. But well, welcome, Tim. We're excited to have you. I'm glad to be joining you guys. This is, uh, you know, it's early. It's earlier for you guys, but uh, you know, this is going to be fun. I think. Yeah, Tim is uh, is joining us all the way from Toronto, mm-hmm. where it is a balmy, like thirty degrees <laughs> Celsius. But he had to he had to help us out with that whole Celsius to Fahrenheit thing. Yeah, but. Uh, Man, Tim, um, tell us, you know, tell us who you are. Like, you know, there's a there's a line in Twister where uh, Bill Paxton looks at uh, at Dust, Dusty, I think, and is yeah. like, what? "Tell us why you are the way you are." And then, you know, <laughs> there you go. Well, tell us why you are That's the good. way you are, who you work with, all those kind of things. Sure, sure. Well, I um, I started out as a professional uh, high school teacher. Um, and so that's gonna, I think you get a flavor of that as we kind of, as we discuss these topics, I, you know, um, I, I love teaching young people. I love making hard concepts accessible to young people. And so that really helped me transition over to what I do now, which is working full-time with Stand to Reason as uh, one of their speakers and apologists. So I work with, um, guys like Greg Kokel. Uh, my boss, uh, Alan Schleeman, who's brilliant, Amy Hall. I mean, the whole gang over there at Stand to Reason. And, uh, and you know, we have a lot of fun defending the Christian faith and uh, training up Christians. That's kind of our mission. Uh, in particular, this season right now, um, we are trying to um, guard Christians, guard the sheep from the wolves and the world. Okay. And, uh, that's our heart. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. We're going to be diving into something I think standard reason does really well. And that is engaging with the culture and, uh, engaging people who disagree with us. Um, Greg Kokel, the author of tactics, um, is, uh, provided, I think the church with a great resource. So I'm happy to talk about that. Yeah. The, uh, the book tactics, um, it is, I've, I've read that book and, and it, it helps in all kinds of different ways. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of different, um, obviously tactics, the name of the book. Um, but it, you're right. It really kind of breaks down some, some things into just tidbits of information 
that, and you really kind of feel like, well, I, I can do that. You know, I can, I can do that. And it's an easy read. Um, I'm actually listening to the audio version because mm-hmm. I can, it's a little bit easier for me to do with my, um, just my rhythm in life right now. And, uh, Greg actually is the one that narrates it and he's, yeah. so you're hearing the author. Uh, so it's a, it's a good book. It's, it's something that should probably be on your shelf at home. Um, so with this, let me, you know, a little bit of background information, Tim, on, on, for the folks as to why we brought you got, we brought you in. Um, we've gotten a lot of feedback from folks about the series that we've done. And, Part of the feedback is just, hey, like, how do I start conversations with people? And even do I start conversations with people? Uh, you know, there's a there's a person that I work with. I know they're not a believer, but I'm having a hard time, you know, whether or not I should. Am I going to offend them? Are they going to ask me questions I don't know the answer to? All those kind of things. Um, so what would be, you know, maybe just some tips for for how to approach those kind of things. Like where, how do you make the decision as to, okay, should I talk to somebody about my Christian beliefs? Yeah, this is a really good question. This is something I think most people struggle with. If we're honest, even the guys who do this, you know, professionally um, it's still, I mean, you talk to, you talk to Greg Kokel and there's still the nervousness that comes, that comes up. Um, right before you, right before you decide to engage with someone, um, and this is the this is the beauty of the tactical approach because it gives you, you a, a game plan. So I I want to start by saying I totally understand where people are coming from. Someone says something, you know, you're at work, you're on lunch break, and someone talks about some YouTube video they watched the other night where you know this someone argued the Bible's full of contradictions. Or, you know, we're in, we're in pride month, right? And uh, someone, someone says, you know, I can't believe those Christians are, are against, you know, gay pride. You know, they're all a bunch of homophobic bigots. Or, you know, you're sitting uh, at a family function and, and someone, you know, rails against, against God or Christians or something like that. It's, those are situations where most of us, we want to say something, you know, we feel like, man, I should stand up and and say something but we feel either too shy too nervous too scared what if they know more than me what if i can't handle myself in this conversation what if i end up making christ look bad because of uh, how i engage and so what what the tactics book does is it gives you a game plan no matter how nervous you might be how fearful how little you know i think it's great that you guys have done this and this is the way i teach it too provide all the apologetic material. And then the kind of the send off is, okay, now here's how you use it. And that's what we're going to be talking about. How do you get in the game? Here's how you do it. Okay. When I get into conversation with people, when I hear someone say something I disagree with, and I want to make an impact, my goal is, is very simple. It's just to put a stone in someone's shoe. Okay. It's, uh, and this is, this is an idea I got from Greg and it's really amazing. It takes the, it takes the burden because what most of us, most Christians are thinking, man, if I got five minutes with this person on lunch break or whatever, I need to, I, I need to change their mind. I need to lead them to Christ. 
And if you put that burden of responsibility on yourself, then you're not going to get, you're not even going to get into play. You're going to stay on the bench because that's a daunting task, right? But if you change your mentality here, all I want to do in this conversation is put a stone in their shoe. I want them walking away from our conversation. I mean, we've all had a stone in our shoe, right? What do you do? You got to bend over, untie your shoe, take it out, dump it, and then put your shoe back on. Same idea. I want them walking away kind of annoyed, but in a good way, right? Yeah. I want them like, I can annoy I gotta, people real easy. Yeah. <laughs> I got a deal. I got a deal with this stone in my shoe. So that's, that's the first thing. That is like, I mean, that mentality shift, now I'm going to show you how to do it, but the mentality shift is, uh, to me, it just frees me up because now it's like, look, if this conversation goes somewhere productive, great. If it doesn't, that's okay too. All I'm doing is getting in the game. I'm just stepping up to bat and swinging. And I think most, and this is a problem I see in the church, most Christians, when it comes to engaging the culture of ideas, we're all, we're just sitting on the bench. Mm-hmm. We're too afraid to get in the batter's box. Well, yeah. and what I'm kind of hearing you say is, is that Christians seems to, seem to take way too much responsibility. Yeah. We want to be a car salesman and close the deal yeah. in, instead of a batter who, who is up there just swinging. Yeah. That is a, that's a good way to put it. We do feel kind of like that car salesman, you know, and sometimes I put it this way, you know, we like hockey here in, in Canada. Okay. And, uh, and so we like, like the fights in hockey. Okay. Perfect. perfect. <laughs> we like, we like those too. And, uh, so let's say I'm talking with my friend and uh, he's an unbeliever. We're talking about the game last night. I, we're talking about the goalie. He's making this save. He's making that save. He's making this save. And I say, that reminds me of how Jesus has saved you from your sins. You know, like that is an awkward transition, <laughs> right? But that's how, that's how a lot, I mean, there are some Christians and they just force it, you know, like you oh, are yeah. going, yeah. you're going to hear this, whether you like it or not. And that is awkward. That is like, I mean, immediately the, my friend is going to have their guard up. Tim, how did you get from hockey to the gospel so quickly, you know? <laughs> Now, sometimes I want people to hear me. Sometimes there is a natural transition. And then, and when you, and we'll talk more about this as we go. And then you, and then you, you just follow that. You just follow, you know, where the spirit is, I think, leading in that conversation. But um, there are a lot of times where you're not, you're not going to be harvesting in that conversation. This is a really good insight from the book as well. Greg talks about gardening and harvesting. Yeah. gardening and harvesting. And most of us are, are here to garden. Okay. Before, I mean, before there can be a harvest, there's a season of gardening. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's, and I, I, we were just talking before the show started about, you know, I like to garden. It's a lot of work though. You need to be tilling and you need to be watering and you need to do all those things. But at the end of the day, it is, God that is going to give the increase at the end. And so look at, we're going to garden and sometimes someone is going to harvest in our garden and that's okay with me. You know, there's lots of people have come to Christ through stand to reasons ministry. Um, and it, but it wasn't because, you know, Greg Kokel 
kneel down with someone and they pray, pray to prayer together or something, you know, they, they were just listening to Greg's show or they're, they're watching red pen logic, or they were, you know, that kind of thing. They were, they experienced the gardening process. And then it was when they were at a local church or something that they gave their life to Christ. So um, I want I want people again. So the stone in the shoe, we're just talking mentality here. We haven't really gotten the practical side of it, but Mm -hmm. stone in the shoe, that's huge. They just want to have a productive conversation. If I can get someone thinking about God or thinking about Christianity, thinking about Jesus, that's awesome. The second thing is think of yourself as a, gar- as a gardener to start. And if the harvest, if there's an opportunity to harvest there, by all means, okay? Uh, but, but don't beat yourself up if the person doesn't you know, give their life to Christ at the end of your conversation, because that's yeah. just not realistic. And even Paul says, you know, of himself and like Apollos, you know, some, some plant, some water, God gives the increase, you know? So, I mean, he, he uses that. And, uh, when, when Greg, I heard, um, I heard Greg on a, on a podcast a while back and he was saying that he had like personally, I mean, led very, very few Mm. people personally to Christ over the last few years, but he knows that, of others that have come to Christ through different conversations and all those kind of things. And it, and it could be years later. It might be yeah. years later after a conversation. Um, but that you deal with that stone in the shoe long enough. And, <laughs> and that that's tip. I really like this point because I think the culture has shifted from the days of, you know, the Billy Graham crusades. Mm-hmm. Now it's, there are so many, um, I call them gospels, okay? Obstacles mm-hmm. of the gospel. And and because of the the I mean the culture we live in because of the accessibility of YouTube, you know, where I don't need I can hear all of Richard Dawkins' arguments, um not necessarily even reading his book or listening to his lectures, but there I mean his arguments are all over the place because all, like you hop on YouTube and just, you know, type in atheism or whatever, and you got all kinds of people giving the same kinds of arguments. And so it's that these um, worldviews are now in our living rooms, you know, uh, our young people in particular, I mean, that's where they go to find, answer their questions. They hop on YouTube and that's why us Christians, we need to do a better job of being on there and providing responses, but they're able to get access to the atheistic worldview, the naturalistic worldview, Islamic worldview. I mean, they're all there and they can see it all playing out. And that is that has changed the game because now when you begin a conversation and you want to talk about God, they're going to ask the question, who made God? You know, like it's like a brilliant question or something. And we know that that's, that's not a good question. It's like asking, what's the color blue smell like? Okay. I thought that was a brand new question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never heard that one before. Come on. It's, so this is this, th- but they bring up these, these questions. So that didn't, where'd that come from? Well, I'll tell you where it came from. It, it, these, you can trace these ideas back to popular figures like Richard Dawkins. That, I mean, that's mm-hmm. the central thesis of the God delusion was right. who designed the designer, who made God. Um, and that's just been popularized all over the place. So there's these gospels, or how can you believe in a God of love, you know, if he sends people to hell? Or what about science and faith? Or what about, you know, uh, homosexuals and, and, and uh, you know, all the sexual stuff, the transgender stuff? Those immediately come up. When we do Q&As nowadays, it's like 
all these cultural ideas because people are thinking about them. And they want you to remove that obstacle of the gospel before they're even willing to listen to the gospel. So, I mean, it seems weird. You know, you start talking, I want to, I'm talking to someone about Jesus and they say, well, what about the big bang? <clears throat> and I'm thinking, where did that come from? <laughs> but that's a question they have, right? What right. about the dinosaur? You know, what about, and all, so these questions rise to the surface when you begin to have these spiritual conversations. Whereas I don't know if there was this kind of um, <clears throat> skepticism and this kind of questioning, um, you know, even two or three decades ago. So I think we need to be changing our approach um, to, to meet the need that's out there. Talk a little bit about attitude as as we approach the conversations. Yeah. And and I refer back to my, my dad passed last August. He was 87 years old. Incredible, incredible Christian man. Um, but with with almost no education whatsoever. He was raised as a sharecropper and 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 just had very little formal education. And mm-hmm. when someone approached him with different beliefs, he he would tend towards anger because he didn't have the ability to answer these questions very well. And he'd, yeah. he'd end up calling me up, Bobby, would you come talk to this person? Yeah. And, and so talk about attitude and approach in, in preparing yourself, if you would. Yeah. So at Standard Reason, we talk about um, the ambassador model. Second um, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 um, talks about uh, being, we're called to be ambassadors for Christ. Well, what does that look like? We talk about knowledge, wisdom, and character. All three of those are really important components. If you're going to get into conversations with people, if you're going to kind of model Jesus to the world. And, um, we, I mean, I tell people, if you're going to get into conversations and you don't have those three attributes or you're not working on them, then just keep your mouth closed, you know, because we can do a lot, we can do a lot of damage. Um, and that's what happens because, uh, and this, we, I see it every day online. Someone says something, someone doesn't really know how to respond. And so what do they do? They go straight to name calling. They go straight to, they, you know, we take offense right. and then we get defensive and then arguments break out. And this is where that common slogan, you can't argue someone into the kingdom comes from right and what they mean is like fight someone into the kingdom you know and that i think that that part of it with the emphasis on that kind of arguing you're right you know you turn people off and that's why greg in his in the book he says you know he has a rule right Mm -hmm. if if they get mad i lose if i get mad i lose so if anyone gets mad in the conversation i lose and what he means by that is we, we end up doing uh, a disservice to our witness, right? Um, and so here's, so this is where the tactical approach, I think, is so important because it really takes the pressure off you. And when the pressure's off, you're not guarding turf, then you don't get defensive. You're kind of just, you're just asking questions. And this is- um, That's this the is, key. This I love is that. the key. It, and this is, again, so we talked about some of the mentality shift. Next time you're in a conversation or you're thinking about getting into a conversation, 
begin to ask yourself, begin to go into this mode of asking questions instead of making statements. Now, some people think that's a cop-out because um, look at, no, we should just share the gospel. The gospel is in statements. They're not, it's not questions. It's not, did Jesus die for your sins? No, we're, we're, we're telling people that Jesus died. And so um, what, but here's the thing I want people to hear. And this is something that um, I, uh, I remember reading and thinking, no way. How did I miss this? If you go through the Gospels and you just look at how Jesus engaged with different people, mm-hmm. what you will find is he asked a lot of questions. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. It, it is, right? My, my favorite is, can I have a drink of water? <laughs> how theologically deep is that question? Sure. Sure. And it, and a it, whole community got changed from it. That's right. It is amazing how Jesus used questions. And it wasn't because, it, I mean, it wasn't because he didn't know a bunch of stuff. Yeah. What you see him doing with his questions is he is getting people to uh, rethink their worldview. Right. To think about his identity, who he is, you know, um, and, uh, and, it, it was, it's amazing. So, so one thing you should know is Jesus asked more questions than he answered. He asked more questions than he answered. So why is, why is this something that's foreign to Christians? Why should we should be the one kind of leading in this style of conversation? And that's why Greg, he, he gets us to think differently. Okay. Look at, he calls it the 10 second window. I'm going to, someone says something, I want to engage and you got to kind of, you got to move your feet. You got to get in, you got to get into the game because that part that leaves, you know, that, that part of the conversation ends up going somewhere else and you're left behind, you know? Um, And so some, and so what he says is here's the question on the tip of your tongue. And it's something that I've had to practice uh, over and over again. So it just comes out. And the question is, what do you mean by that? That is, he calls the first Columbo question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's trading on Lieutenant Columbo. Maybe the younger audience won't know who Columbo is, but he was a kind of bumbling TV detective, but he had a remarkable success catching criminals. You know, he'd arrive at the scene of the crime, his hair's a mess, <clears throat> his, his trench coat looks like he slept in it. You know, he'd have a notepad, but no pen or pencil. You don't have to bum one off someone. And, uh, but he, he, he had a plan. And he would go around saying, you know, so something about this thing that bothers me. And then he, he, he said, do you mind if I ask you a question? And then, he, you know, he'd ask another question. One more ting, one more ting. And he'd one more ting him to death. And he'd say, I got a problem. This is, this is a habit. And this is a habit Christians need to get into. Mm-hmm. Going on the offensive, but in an in, inoffensive way by asking questions. And the first question, what do you mean by that? Is the information gathering clarification question. Someone says, hey, Tim, um, you know, they might say, do you believe in evolution? I will say, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by evolution? They say Christians are intolerant. I'll say, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by intolerant? They say all religions are basically the same. I got a question. What do you mean by that? So you just, you can almost ask this question in any circumstance and you can mm-hmm. obviously kind of morph it to fit more precisely with the conversation, right? What do you mean by 
that thing you just said. And I think it almost seems like when, when you do that, it's so many, there's so many little tidbits out there that, that people have heard like from Richard Dawkins or from others. There's so many little, you know, gotchas that they think they have Mm. that they don't really even know what they mean by that. It's just something that they've heard and they know that it shuts down Christians. So I'm just going to throw something out there. And, and when you go back and say, well, okay, explain that. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah. I I think a lot of times that, uh, I don't even know what I mean by that, you know? And that's a really good point. And this goes both ways. There's a lot of Christians, a lot of atheists, a lot of, you know, whoever you're talking to, you ask this question, what do you mean by that? And they actually don't know. They maybe heard it from someone else. You know, this is just maybe a popular thing that people say. And uh, so they don't know what they mean. You know, the Christian might say that they're, that, well, God's a, God's a trinity. And, and the atheist could ask, well, what do you mean by that? And they don't have a clue. You know, mm-hmm. they just heard people, you know, they, they, they don't know. Um, and which is, uh, which is not good. We need to do better at understanding. Well, he's like an egg. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then, and then on the other side, you know, the atheist says something. I mean, like when I'm talking with someone who doesn't believe in God, my first question is, what do you mean by God? Because most of the time when they end up describing the God they don't believe in, I don't believe in that God either, Yeah, you know? And so we're on the same page there, you know, they might describe, you know, this a bearded man who sits on a cloud, you know, he's really angry and, and uh, throwing thunderbolts at people or, well, you know, whatever they got this, like almost like Greek mythology idea. And, and that's their, that's, they think, well, all gods are kind of the same thing anyways. No, it's, it, that's not the wrong, that's not the right conception of God. So, but here's, but the, the, the point of the question is, no, I'm not, I'm not in, I'm not on the bench. I'm now in the game, right? Mm-hmm. And I haven't really done anything. I've just asked a very simple question. What do you mean by that? And I'm letting the person explain what they mean. I'm, I can just, I, I, in a sense, I can almost sit back and kind of enjoy the response. And they, and what's amazing about question is they invite interest. Like I am interested in the response. It's not, it's not a game. I know we call it a game plan, like a strategy, but it's, it's not a game. It's, I actually care about what this person has to say, you know? Um, And that is something that is so important in these conversations, because what often happens is there's like, okay, in this corner, the Christian, in this corner, the atheist, get your, you know, ding, 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 let's fight. And in those conversations, man, it's, they're usually not very productive. Yeah, they usually yeah. end up with everybody angry and, and you know, it, you're in a worse position than when you started. But when you ask questions, I mean, honestly, when I used to, so I used to cut grass for a living. Um, I worked for the town, parks and rec, you know, that kind of thing. That paid my way through uh, university. And all the guys I worked with, uh, or nearly all of them were, um, non-Christians, like these were, these were pagan guys. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, and they were proud of it. Um, and, but I would ask some questions like, Hey, you know, what do you, what do you think happens after you die? And, you know, we'd be in a truck together, just parked, uh, you know, before we're going to, what do you think happens when we, we die? 
And they'd give me the response. And then I'd say, thanks for sharing. And then I'd open the door and get out of the truck. And you better yeah. believe that guy would be like, whoa, 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 wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I have some follow-up questions. Like, why did you ask me that? Well, and now they want to know what I think because I just asked them what they think. It's almost like kind of natural to say, that's what I think. Now, what do you think? Yeah. So it, it invites this really friendly conversation where we're actually building a relationship. And, uh, and so I hope that people hear in my heart when we're talking about this, that this is, again, these are not just tricks and, you know, this is like, I now am, I now have better relationships with people because of this approach. It's great. Well, it shows your interest in people. It shows you care about people. Yeah. And, but it also requires, I, I think, a big input from you and being a good listener. Yeah. Um, I've practiced law now for 30 years. Mm. And, and when I'm preparing witnesses to go to court, it, it's amazing just to throw this in. Studying apologetics has made me a better lawyer. Wow. But when I am preparing witnesses to go to court, I always tell them when you're up on the stand, it's much more important to be a good listener than it is a good speaker. Yeah. And, and I think what you're saying is the exact same thing. We, we have to be willing to listen. Yeah. Willing to find out where they're at. Yeah. I, so, and I'll, so good. Yeah. I, I liked how, uh, how you said that we're um, kind of, we're, we're all about defending turf. And mm-hmm. I think we are, I think we a lot of times approach conversations with, hey, I want you to believe like I do mm-hmm. instead of, I want you to believe in the God that I do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that that takes a lot of burden off of us too. If we're just like, hey, I, just, I want you to believe in God, not not like me. Just, yeah. you know, who, who do you say God is? And, and let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, on the listening point, someone needs to write a book on apologetic listening. You know, um, like this. There you go, this Bobby. Is a, this is, <laughs> it is a missing. It is a missing piece in a lot of our engagement. It. I mean, it's obvious once we start to talk about it. But you know, when we sit down with people, what ends up happening? And I've done this too. You you're listening to the person, and it's like. As I'm listening, I'm not really listening. I'm formulating my response. Exactly. Right? I'm, I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm going to point this mistake out, this mistake out, this mistake out. I, but I'm not really listening to the person. Um, and so it's just what's happening is I'm just waiting for their lips to stop moving <laughs> so that mine can start moving. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What I tell people when we're prepping for court, when you are doing that, when you are trying to to figure out the why that the question's being asked or where they're going instead of listening and giving an honest answer, it sounds like you're avoiding the question and being dishonest. Yeah. And I think it applies directly to our apologetics in in public. Yeah. Yeah. If if we're not willing, if we don't care what the other person has to say or where they're at their attitude, then yeah. how how can we convey that love that we're commanded to have? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that, and this, I think this is the, the, where the questions really help because a, the, a sincere question communicates the love that we have. This is the, I mean, this is, I get this question all the time. How, but how do you, sh- how are you showing love? And I think that is, it's kind of built into this approach. Right. Um, and so that 
this is where, again, I hope people are tracking with us. We we're trying to, you know, kind of change our mindsets a little bit on, okay, when I get into a conversation, here's my goal. It's actually really modest stone in the shoe. Yep. And how am I going to put the stone in? I just want to ask a question. I want to get them thinking. I want to get them thinking about uh, and leading them towards the truth. So sometimes the way I'll put it is questions aren't a tool to beat someone up. It's not a hammer to smack someone over the head with. It's yeah. more like a flashlight. And I'm just kind of like guiding and maybe they make a wrong turn, but I'm just, I'm using those questions just to lead them a little bit closer to the truth if I can. And uh, obviously with God's help. Yeah. Hey Tim, uh, I'm, I'm a type of person, I'm probably the, the least educated in this room when it comes to politics and those types of things. And I've, I've even talked to people that listen to the show and say, why do you call it apologetics? It seems like a terrible yeah. name for what we're doing because we're not yeah. having to apologize for anything. It's just a weird name. But when we have many, many, many listeners from different walks of life and we get to have mm -hmm. these conversations from, from believers to non-believers. And we've always tried to form our show around that idea that yeah. anybody could listen just to start thinking and to have these conversations and, and hopefully promote conversations in homes and all those things. Mm -hmm. But when we come to this idea of politics, I'm not somebody who enjoys confrontation. You know, I don't want to get in arguments without people. And I'm kind of one where if you get too rude with me, I'm just done. I'm, I'm out yeah. of the conversation. I'm moving on. So motive is such a such a big big deal to me. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a misconception about motive of the Christian believer out there. And yeah. I think partly is because we've gone about it the wrong way for many years. I'm I didn't find Jesus till I was in my twenties. And I remember a lot of the the evangelical stuff towards me when I was young was, hey, just so you know you're a terrible person and you don't want to go to hell, do you? And it was just like, Okay, I gotta change. You know, it's like then then you're like and I just don't feel like that works. But then we come up with these things like called tactics and apologetics. Yeah. And and it almost seems like there's this uh, business, I don't say business model, because I know that's not definitely what y'all are doing. But I, I guess yeah. I just want to explain to those non-believers out there the true motivation of why you do what you do and why Standard Reason does what it does and why we here at Land the Plane do what we do. And I just like kind of like you to maybe flesh that out a little bit more, that true motivation behind it. Yeah, that's that's a really good point because people look at what we do and they think, um, yeah, we're we're like the car salesman or something, you know, and we gotta we do it because we want to make money. Let me tell you something. First of all, no apologists or very few are in it for the money. Okay. <laughs> um, there's just not a lot of money to be made. Like this, if I I could be making a lot more money. I left a job as a professional teacher and in, in this Toronto area and teachers here make good money. Like mm. after 10 years, you're making over six figures. Okay. Um, and you're making uh, so, everyone in the United States jealous. <laughs> I know. I, I, as I talk to teachers around, you know, um, the U S it's like, no way. I mean, we must have great teachers unions or something because, uh, they, I mean, they own the Toronto Maple Leafs, so they used to. They, uh, they, they've done really well financially. So they pay the te the teachers make a lot of money. Wow. And so I'm not in it for the money. That is, I took a pay cut when I when I left teaching. Um, that's so that's an important point. But the motivation, and I hope people, as they talk to Christians, they begin to see that they're motivated through um, love for the person. You know, and you're right. There is part of the gospel is the bad news, but I would never, you know, you're a bad person. That, that is not a good, again, just tactical approach. 
That's not a good approach. Yeah. I want to get the, because my guard's up. Someone tells me I'm a bad person. I'm like, well, wait, wait a second. What are you talking about? You know, you don't know me. How are you judging me? Like you've already, I'm taking it like you're judging me, right? Mm-hmm. And that's like the, that's the one sin. Thou shall not judge, okay, in this culture. Um, there's, there's, no, there's no moral law, but that is one of the rules. Okay? <laughs> Just so you know. And, and so, but what does Greg do? Greg takes, I mean, again, this is the brilliance of Greg. And um, he, in the book, he describes, okay, so we talked about the first Columbo question is, what do you mean by that? The second Columbo question is, how did you come to that conclusion? And that, so the first Columbo question gives you the what, what they believe. I'm just asking you, tell me what you believe. The second Columbo question is, well, why do you believe it? How did you come to that conclusion? And it's actually ge- a generous question. It assumes someone actually came to a conclusion, yeah. like through yeah. premises, you know, that kind of thing. And most people just haven't concluded anything because they haven't really thought logically about their beliefs. But the third Columbo question is, um, and uh, we'll kind of jump over the second one for a moment because it relates to what you just described. So someone's, the, the one approach may be, well, you're a bad person, so you need Jesus. Okay, that, I mean, that kind of is the gospel in a sense, but we, I mean, it's not a, it's not a good approach, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Here's a better approach. Greg uses questions to get someone to a kind of a target that he's shooting for, okay? The question kind of leads somewhere. And so Greg asked the question, he asked this to a lawyer, actually, um, a Jewish lawyer at, I think, um, a bookstore or something. He said, um, do you believe that guilty people deserve to be punished? That's what he asked. And the guy said, well, actually, I'm a prosecuting attorney. And yeah, definitely. I think that guilty people, I mean, we put guilty people away all the time. That's what we do. And Greg's like, wow, okay. So what, what has Greg done? He's kind of like put a piece, uh, like a chess piece on the table, okay? That now, okay, the, the piece is on the table we can both see it, and now we're going to kind of move it around a little bit. So this is co- this is common ground. Greg says, "Yeah, I believe that too. I believe guilty people should be punished." And then his second question was, "Are are you are you morally guilty of anything?" And then the guy kind of stopped and it's like, hmm, "Well, I guess I mean he and I, I'm sure there was a further conversation. It wasn't just a one two step, but he asked the guy essentially, "Are you morally guilty?" And, and the, at the end of the day, the guy, I mean, he admitted, yeah. Uh, so wait a second, let's go back to our first premise here. You say guilty people deserve to be punished. So, okay, this, so this is the difference between saying you're a bad person, that's a statement, or backing it up and let's just ask some questions here. And they're, again, they're more friendly. This, I mean, this, what, he didn't just come out of blue and say, you know, um, are you guilty or whatever? He, he kind of, he had a relationship going, a conversation going there that made sense. There was a context, but at the end of the day, he got to the kind of the same conclusion, but he didn't tell him he, the guy that he was talking to got to the conclusion. You know what I'm saying? There's Mm -hmm. a difference between me saying, believe this, then, then me getting you just through questions to that point. I could say, believe in God, or I can ask you what caused the universe. I could say, believe in God, or I could say, where do you think the moral law comes from? 
You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm trying to go to the same place, but I'm I'm uh, using questions to get there. Yeah, you're leading um, them to come up with the conclusion that you want them to come up with, kind of. That's right. And it's yeah. look, they may disagree. That's fine. But uh, the the point is, I want to get them thinking. This is stone in the shoe stuff. So um, that's a more, I mean, that's a more advanced kind of tactical approach. And that's only because you have to actually see the target you're shooting at. Most of the time, if we're all honest, something happens, someone says something, I want to engage. So I, I ask a question, the heart's beating a mile a minute. You know, sometimes you can feel it like it's going to pound out of your chest, you know? Yeah. And it's like, hey, just keep it cool. Keep it cool. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and because you're getting excited, it's like, oh man, I, and I disagree. And whenever you disagree with someone, there's going to be emotions and all that yeah. stuff that happens. And so you're not, and your, your neurons aren't all firing the way they should. It usually it's the conversation's over. And a few hours later, it's like, I should have said that, or I should have said yeah. that. And that's okay. The, you look at, sometimes you get up to bat and you swing and you miss. Okay. That happens. It's happened to me. It's happened to Greg. Coco, um, and he wrote the book. So don't, don't feel like, don't be beating yourself up every time. It's a learning experience, right? Every time you get better. And Greg is now in his seventies, um, early seventies. And he's been doing this a lot of years to get to the point where he's really skilled at it. It didn't just come overnight. Yeah. And the thing is, is if you do strike out, but you put that pebble there, then, you know, God's got a pretty good lineup. He, he's got other batters that can step into the batter box. We're not, yeah. you know, it's not us or nothing. It's a, it's a team effort, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's not all on Tim. It's not all on Bobby or Dustin or Jonathan. It's a team effort. And so look at, I may have the opportunity to, to, to till the ground and you may come along and you may do some watering and someone, you know, Dustin may come in and pull some weeds and then, you know, it, we reach a point where Greg says, look, sometimes you bump into the tree and the fruit falls in the basket, you know, and it's like, wow, that was easy. Well, it, it was easy for the harvester at that moment, but that's only because there was a season of gardening. John yeah. four talks about this woman at the well stuff. I think we alluded to it earlier and, and uh, she ends up leaving, going to her town, starts coming. And, and Jesus turns to his disciples and says, you are going to reap where you didn't sow. Yeah. And so yeah. they're going to, they're going to harvest. And yet the gardening had already been accomplished. And so it's a team effort though. We need, we need both gardeners and harvesters. I'll just say one more thing. Dustin kind of point out that we were talking about love and ho hoping people see our hearts. When I first started learning the tactics material, um, I didn't know a lot of apologetics at the time. And um, I had just met my now wife um, in university and she invited me to her, her birthday party. Okay, went bowling and I didn't know anybody. I, I, you know, I just knew her and I liked her, so I was going. And uh, <laughs> one of these, one, and there was a guy there and I didn't know him either, really. We just started chatting. I spent the whole evening just asking questions, getting to know him. You know, just, I mean, if I could just any question, it, they weren't like, what do you mean by that? How'd you come to that conclusion? It wasn't a tactical question. It was just questions at the end of the night. This is, this is true story. <laughs> Everyone goes home. You know, I was living with my parents at the time and, uh, and I find out that guy calls my now wife, Stacy, 
and says, that Tim guy is one of the most interesting people I've ever met. (laughs) And it's like, I don't think I said anything about myself, but because I was interested in him and I really was like, I really wanted to get to know this guy and his future and he was going to go to the military and all this stuff. And it was fascinating to me, but that shows that I care for someone. You don't ask those kinds of questions about another human being, unless you are interested in them, unless you are, unless you care for them. And, uh, and so it, it, it's just questions. So here's another maybe encouragement to the audience is as you're practicing, you know, the tactical, what do you mean by that? How'd you come to that conclusion kind of questions, just get in, just start asking more questions. If you're married, ask your, ask your wife more questions, you know, your kids, this is something as a parent, I love doing this at the table. My kids go to a Christian school. They're kind of living in a Christian world, right? Because of their school, their church, their, you know, all the programs they're in. But I want them to, you know, get challenged. And so I'll ask them questions that maybe are more challenging, you know? And so there's the relationship questions I ask them, but also the, hey, why do you guys believe in God? Well, you believe in God, daddy. Okay, but what if daddy didn't believe in God? Would you still believe? You know, and trying to get them to think for themselves. Yeah. And so there's just, I mean, a million applications of, of just using questions and becoming more, more skilled at it. How did you get into apologetics? Um, it was actually because I was getting beat up. Um, I, I grew up in the church. Um, you know, when the church doors were open, we were there, you know, my dad was kind of head usher. My mom was uh, in the choir and worship team and all that stuff. So we did the youth groups, youth group, Sunday school, all that, but it was a small church. Um, and we didn't, but we didn't talk about like the life of the mind stuff, you know, and there, what it, it was more like our social club. That's just where we hung out. So when I got to university, I mean, it's amazing how you can spend your whole life in church and yet not understand anything. I didn't know the gospel. I didn't know, you know, I went to camps. I did all that stuff, but I did not understand Christianity. And uh, if you were asking me a basic question, um, I wouldn't have been like, why, like, why trust the Bible or what's the, what's the, um, you know, three persons, one being, you know, Trinity or incarnation, or like, I couldn't even describe what the church has held to as far as doctrines got to university, went to, uh, public university studying physics. And I was a, I was a minority as far as Christians go and, uh, or at least claiming to be a Christian. And, uh, people asked me, cause I knew I went to church, uh, some atheists. I mean, I had kind of a weird group of friends. There was, uh, Orthodox Jews, there was Muslims, there was atheists. Um, it was kind of a, and then just kind of, you know, people that just didn't identify as anything really. And they asked, well, one day we're all talking about this stuff. And it's like, hey, Tim, you believe, you know, you believe in God and why? Uh, You're a Christian, why? And it was like the best answer that I could come up with was I'm a Christian because my parents are Christians. Wow. Like that's, I mean, it was just so bad. Here I am like in the early twenties and I I just uh, have no idea what I believe or why I believe it. And, uh, so I started looking for answers and fortunately I found some really, um, wise Christians online. I also found some atheists and 
Um, but it was just, it just so happened that, I mean, I just gravitated towards guys like William Lane Craig and Greg Kokel and, and some others, Josh McDowell, um, Norm Geisler. And when I found out that there was these answers, I thought, how is it that I am this far along, like I'm 20, whatever, just discovering this stuff, yet I lived in the church. How is that possible? Was there and, ever a crisis of faith in there? Yeah, that's what I was wondering for you. Yeah, too. there it wasn't. Um, there was certain, there was definitely questioning for sure. Um, I don't know if there was ever a crisis. Here's the thing. I don't know if the faith that I had as a kid was genuine. Yeah. Um, because, you know, there was a series, there was a time through high school where we would, I mean, we would party and, um, but yet I'd stay up till three in the morning drinking and whatever. And I'd get up for church because my mom wanted us at church. You know, I had respect for my parents enough that I'm there, even if I'm like, you know, wiping my eye, you know, trying to keep my, and that, so that was kind of my, so we did the youth group thing, but youth group was playing games. You and I could have a long conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Incredibly long. It's uh, it was, it was. And so it wasn't until this is where the pe people say you can't argue someone in the kingdom. And yet it was the arguments that led me to a, a real relationship with God. So when people say that you can't argue someone in the kingdom, I, I get what they're, where they're coming from because obviously the Holy spirit is involved and so on and so forth. But I, I, it was the, for me, it was like, wow, this is, this is what um, has led to a strong relationship. You know, there's uh I think it's um, Hosea that talks about there's no, there's no knowledge of God. There's, there's, he makes a connection between knowledge and love for God. There's no knowledge of God in the land. There's no love for God in the land. For me, it was after I understood who God is and what he has done, then I fell in love with God, like a real love for God. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. That didn't, that didn't come. So there so when people say, oh, you guys, this apologetic stuff, it's just for, you know, those academics or those, you know, weirdos who like to argue or whatever, that's not it at all. It was understanding what we believe and why we believe it. And it just so happens that's called, and then when you defend that, that's called apologetics. And so everyone should understand the what they believe and why they believe it. Everyone should, whether you're a Christian or not, that's everyone should understand that. But when you're a Christian and you understand why, what and why, that leads you, at least it should, to a very deep relationship with um, the God of the universe. Yeah, I love that because it's a, uh, for me, it was like studying through the Bible. And the more I study, the more that I see mm. um, kind of the logic of God. And mm. you know, there's so much that we can't understand about God that we, we're limited in our human minds. But the more that you do understand about who he is and what he's done and all of those kind of things, you start to understand the really the, the depths of what he went to yeah. to save us and yeah. the amount of love that he does have for us and, and kind of why he does a lot of what he does. And it all fits together you know, and, and yeah. honestly, it's, it's a nice little neat package in the Bible. Yeah. I mean, it, it's got some ugly stuff in there that we don't necessarily maybe like, or that it, yeah. you know, it, it kind of kind of 
can feel like, um, you know, areas that we don't like or don't understand, all those kind of things. But honestly, at the end of the day, when you look at the whole progression of faith and his plan and all those kind of things, yeah. it really does work together. And for me, that's that has deepened my faith in him to know that, you know, I, I don't understand it all, but the more that I understand, he, he does make sense. He doesn't just, you know, it's not everywhere. It's all over the place. I love that, um, that idea of putting it all together. Cause that's what was definitely missing for me growing up. It was, here's a verse we're going to talk about. Here's another verse over here. Here's another verse over there. There was no coherence. There was no like, what's the whole story about? And, uh, at least, at least maybe it was taught, maybe, you know, my ears were plugged or something. Um, and that's, that's why, look, when, when I hear about someone, you know, deconverting or deconstructing, this is really popular right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, they say, look, I grew up in the church. I'm not impressed by that Yeah. because I grew up in the church too. And so I know, so I, I mean, look, if I, I could have deconverted at 21, and it would have been like, wow, look at Tim. He was this Christian and now he's deconverted. And it would have been like, no, I, I wasn't, I mean, it, I wasn't a Christian or if I was, I was a baby shallow and Jesus just, you know, held on to me for dear, you know, this kind of thing. And, uh, and, and that's, so, so there's, there's a really, there's a really, uh, how should I put it? I think it's really important that the church makes sure we understand kind of the whole story. And this is where I think Greg's other book, The Story of Reality, um, is really helpful because there's lots of Christians who don't know why Jesus had to die on a cross. You know, yeah. why, mm -hmm. why did he do that? Yeah. Well, there's a whole connection to that in the Old Testament. I mean, we, and so it, it understanding from Genesis to Revelation, what, what is this all about? What is God doing? And there's some weird stuff going on in that Old Testament. Well, what, why is that in there? And what's going on? And how does that relate to other pieces? And it's kind of like a puzzle. And um, our Christian worldview, we want to try to make all the pieces, or we should at least try to make all the pieces kind of fit together. I think they do fit together. Mm -hmm. But people have missing pieces. They got pieces from other puzzles stuck in there that don't fit, you know. Um, and uh, and so we talk about apologetics. I think we also need good theology and uh, and an understanding of the Christian worldview. And that is something I think we do as apologists. But this is something that needs to happen just across the board, you know, in our local church, let's start training our, our people to understand the, see the whole puzzle for what it is and where all the pieces fit. Yep. Well, Tim, you've been very generous with your time and we are so appreciative of you to come on here and speak with us and just share these, these truths and, and your experiences with our audience. One thing we do, the reason we call ourselves land the plane podcast, it's kind of a unique name probably for a Christian podcast, but uh, we came up with the name because Jonathan's dad was a preacher, and every at the end of every one of his sermons, his mom would sit in the first row and do the land the plane sign. <laughs> like it's time to wrap this thing up. Yeah. You've been circling the airport for the last 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah, wrap it up. It's time to put her down. Yeah, land, put it. land the plane. So at the end of every show, we, we, we kind of land the plane, and, and we would love to give you 
the controls and and just to to look back over this episode and and maybe even just why you do apologetics and stuff and if you could kind of just maybe wrap it up for our audience and 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 kind of give them an overview thought of of what's on your heart that yeah. would be, that would be awesome sure uh i mean there's so much i want to say here um but let's talk just related to you mentioned why apologetics um you guys have been going through 7 weeks now is that right yes so seven weeks, why take the time to do this, right? And what I usually, what I tell people is, look, first off, the Bible commands it. We are commanded to be apologists. You know, First Peter and many other places talk about giving a defense of the faith. Okay, we're commanded. That should be end of discussion. But there's other reasons, really important reasons. One is the culture demands it. If you're going to do evangelism today, you are going to do apologetics. The way Frank Turk does it is he says, here's how you spell evangelism today. A-P-O-L-O-G-E-T-I-C-S. You spell it apologetics because it turns out that as soon as you start sharing the gospel, questions come up and you end up, you end up kind of having conversations that are apologetic in nature. And look, at, we're trying to communicate truth to a relativistic culture that says there is no truth. We're trying to talk about supernatural things with a culture that is naturalistic. They don't believe that there's supernatural truth. Okay, anything beyond nature. Anything beyond nature. We are we are uh, communicating, you know, a very exclusivistic message. Jesus is the only way to a culture that is, you know, very inclusive. You know, this kind of idea. If we're going to be effective. We need to understand where they're coming from and be able to give a response to their objections. So the culture demands it. The church needs it. The church desperately needs it. Um, this is it's, gone are the days where, oh, you want to do an apologetics, um, you know, club or something in the church or a Bible study, a book study. Well, we'll give you the broom closet, you know, this kind of yeah. thing to do your, to do your little class. No, this is the kind of thing. Apology, the church desperately needs it. This is why right now we have so many, well, so many, there's a number of well-known um, musicians and, and Christian, popular Christians that are saying, look it, I'm no longer Christian anymore. And, and here's the thing. It's not the only reason. There's lots of reasons why people will walk away from the church, but one of the chief reasons I think is these intellectual doubt and skepticism. In fact, you read, you know, the tweets and the Instagram posts and all the stuff. I'm no longer a Christian. Here's why. And it's like, how can Jesus send, how can God send people to hell? Or, you know, I now believe in, you know, science over faith or something. And so we need to be able to give response to our own people. And then finally it works. Look at, it's my own testimony. It's the testimony of many, many, many people that it was arguments that either brought them to a place where they were willing to hear the gospel or they were, they grew up in the church and they, they would never say I wasn't, a, you know, I wasn't an atheist, but it strengthened their faith. So there's, there's Christians out there who have a shallow faith that are looking to go deeper. They want that kind of richness theologically and intellectually. And apologetics provides that. 
response. So there are so many reasons why we need to be doing this. And this is what gets me out of bed in the morning, you know, <laughs> to do this stuff. It's look at the, there, there, whether it's the culture or the church, we need this stuff. And there's not enough of us talking about it, you know, kind of in our circles, we'd be, we'd be able to name a bunch of people. But let's be honest here. If when I look around in Canada at the number of people who are doing apologetics like me full time, you know, there it, it's, you know, I can count them on one hand. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, and the states, there's, there's more. You guys have obviously a much larger population. Um, and you're definitely not as secular as Canada, but you're on your way. You're on the slide, <laughs> um, which is, which is not good. But we, we need more voices. Um, and it, it doesn't have to be the professional, you know, who kind of like gets paid to do ministry. It can be the guy who, you know, um, has the nine to five job and yet he is trained with the tactical approach and he's going to make a difference. Jay Warner Wallace, um, cold case homicide detective. I don't know if mm -hmm. you guys have talked oh, yeah, to him yeah. on the show. I haven't talked to him, but love listening. You need to get him on here and he'll tell you that we don't need $1 million apologists. We need a million $1 apologists, right? Yeah. We need, we need just a whole lot more people out there talking about, you know, having these conversations and, uh, and then, and, and watch the Holy spirit work, yeah. you know, yeah. um, because at the end of the day, as Greg puts it, it's a hundred percent us and a hundred percent God. You know, we're, we're responsible for our side of the equation. You know, when we do what we can with the gifts God has given us, and then we leave it with God and yeah. he's in charge of his side, you know, and I can't, I'm, I can't do what God's going to do. So, um, so that, that's probably a kind of a land, the plane, big picture. This is why we're doing this. And if you follow the tactical approach, um, you're going to be an, an effective ambassador and have a big impact. Yeah. Okay. So two, two things real quick. One, uh, if you want to put a good word in with, uh, Jay Warner Wallace about coming on the show, that, Hey, that'd be <laughs> awesome. We'll do that too. And then two, um, kind of tell everybody about, uh, red pen logic with Mr. B sure. kind of where that came from. Um, yeah. and, and that kind of thing. So about, uh, two years ago, I just, I, I was reading tweets and it, like, there's nothing real like fancy about this. I was just scrolling through Twitter, which no one should do. And, <laughs> uh, I got to, uh, I saw something. I'm like, this is, this is really dumb. You know, like I, I so that didn't that take word. you very long, did you? Yeah. Did but I just thought, man, like this needs to be corrected. You know, and if I, as a teacher, of course, we would pull out our, the red pen and that's how you would mark all of my, you know, I got my kids when we like for, when I taught physics, the kids would, the students would correct their work in blue pen. They wrote in pencil, the tests, cause they'd have to erase stuff, whatever they'd write in blue pen. And then I'd come in and no one gotten to use red pen. That was Mr. B. Okay. And so all those, when you saw those marks, that was me talking to the student. And I would use that not to beat the student up. You know, people get triggered. Red pen. Oh, man. <laughs> I, you know, I need to go into my safe space or something. No, the, the red pen, the way I used it, at least, wasn't like to put one big X across the page. It was to say, look, 
you were so close. You made a mistake here. And if you just, you know, and this mistake carried all the way through, if you got this, not, you know, and so I'm giving them ideas with the, I'm holding the blue pen with the red pen. And uh, I thought, man, if someone did this to this tweet, it'd be kind of funny. It'd be fun. Um, but it would be educational too. And I did that just, I just did it. You know, I didn't ask for permission, which was a mistake. Um, <laughs> as far as like standard reason, I just did it. And it was like, it was shared by like a hundred people or something. I thought, wow, people really like this, you know, like, cause they're, cause you learn something, but they're also, um, you know, easy to share. So I did a couple more and, uh, and then, you know, talk to standard reason. We put a pause on it. Okay. Cause it was a little more aggressive, especially early on. Cause I was putting grades on it. I was like, <laughs> you know, uh, my, my, uh, my love language is sarcasm. So it's, you know, that can I, be awfully fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, I was just having, you know, too much fun. And then, so we put it on pause and that was okay. And, uh, and then the pandemic hits. Now people are, you know, I, I, I don't like the pandemic any more than anyone else. Okay. But there are things that God has done, at least in my own life and ministry because of the pandemic. Yeah. So everything shuts down. I can't cross the border. Well, that's, I, I was traveling to the, to the U S like, you know, three or four times a month, you know, like just traveling, getting my airline status way up there. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, all your events have to be canceled. You can't cross. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do with myself? You know? <laughs> so we were doing some of, and, and so standard reason said, Hey, do you want to revisit uh, red pen? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> But they said you gotta be a little, you gotta be a little softer, you know. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta, you, so Greg, so Greg and I, and Greg is so sweet about this, and he's so good. Um, he is very sensitive to these issues, you know. Like over, I mean, if you talk to Greg in person, you know, he he's just like every, I mean, he's just like everybody else in the in the fact that he thinks stuff's dumb, that's dumb, and whatever. But if we're going to be good ambassadors for Christ, we need to make sure that we do our best to communicate in a way that isn't like going to um, turn people off. So we got less aggressive with it and it, it still did really well. And it's, I mean, it's just blown up. Uh, we And so I got some new videos equipment here. We're gonna start recording. We've kind of put pause on the, on some of our videos. Um, to get some new stuff and we're going to start cranking out more videos, but they have, so what we do is we just take a tweet. We see the bad, the flaw, maybe it's a straw man argument. Maybe it's like a logical fallacy. Um, maybe it's just a confusion on what Christians actually believe. And, uh, and we just want to correct that. Um, you know, all kinds of things come up whether, and we don't shy away from any topic. Um, as long as we think that it will help people think better about these issues. So anyways, I'm having a blast doing it. And yeah, you can, uh, you can tell like you it. can tell you have fun with it. And uh, it's it's been fun. It's been fun. It, part of it is it's been fun watching, you know, kind of looking at those, reading through those. But the thing that I've noticed the most is it has helped me look at statements and and kind of recognize kind of those logical fallacies. And it's like, yeah, that's that's how you can point out. 
that's a wrong argument yeah. without just being, well, you know, you're a meanie, you know, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, it's like that, that's pointless. And so without being just argumentative, it's like, nah, that this is where you went wrong there. So I, I think it's a great, honestly, for I think it's a great learning tool mm-hmm. to see, you know, kind of how, um, kind of how you think about things and how you approach arguments and that kind of thing. I actually think it's a very good um, kind of an educational thing in it, which makes well, sense. Some things are better uh, caught than taught. So the idea there is if just by reading it, you're going to catch some of this stuff. And, uh, and then when, yeah, that's the whole goal is when you see a tweet or a post or whatever, you're able to say, man, if I had my red pen, you know, where would I, and sometimes the tactics, people are going to notice that, you know, if I write, so what, you know, that's like the, that's like the tactic, the power of, so some people say, make a claim. And then you're, you just, your response just needs to be, <clears throat> so, you know, <laughs> well, so what follows is what you're getting at, right? It's like, you're trying to say this leads to this, but it doesn't. And all I got to do to point it out is say, ask you the question. So, so, so what, or, mo- or moving towards the objection, you know, Greg talks about that. I'm going to, I'm going to, if I see a tweet, I'm yeah, you're right. You know, like, for example, we talked about, uh, we did one on uh, the word homosexual is not in the Bible. And the first, on the first page, I write, yes, the English word homosexual is not in the original Bible. You know, yeah, that, I'm moving towards yeah. it. In fact, there are no English words no in English the original words. Bible. So, because here's what we're going to talk, we're going to talk about what those, those original words actually meant, you know, like arsenokoitai and, and whatever. And so, but I start by moving towards it. Say, you're exactly right. And it kind of gets people's attention. Wait, homosexual, the word homosexual is not in the Bible. Um, or, or, you know, what a friend we have in Jesus. Someone says there is no, uh, which is a tactic where you put Jesus in the hot seat. And this, by the way, is people need to use this tactic more often. That's, so someone says, you, you, don't, you don't think, um, you know, homosexuals should be able to get married. And my response is, well, that's what Jesus believes, you know, Matthew 19. So I'm putting him in the hot seat. I'm just, I'm just telling you what he believed. And uh, we did a red pen where someone said, Jesus didn't believe, or, there is no hell, uh, something like that. The Bible doesn't teach hell. And what I did was I just went through all these different um, verses from scripture where it's Jesus talking about hell. Mm-hmm. And so I'm putting him in the hot seat look, why do I believe in hell? Because Jesus did, right? So these are all mini tactics. You can read about them in the book, tactics, but they are so helpful and people are going to see them, even though I'm not writing on there, this is a tactic called whatever. Um, they're going to see me using those different tactics in, in our RPLs, in the red pen logic. Yeah. So what are some, uh, so you've mentioned tactics. You've mentioned, we talked about red pen logic. And then um, the other book by Greg, what was the name of that one? Uh, the Story of or, Reality. Story of Reality. Uh, what a are really some, good book. What are some other, and an str.org is Standard Reasons website. Yeah. Uh, how can people find, are, are you on, do you, uh, you have, are you on the Twitter sphere? Like <laughs> personally, anything like that? Believe it or I mean, I, I usually only go to Twitter 
for ammunition. <laughs> that's not a good way to put it. Um, but that's where I go to see what ideas are popular, yeah. what's floating around, um, what are people saying? And that's, again, we're not attacking the person. I just want to find the idea. I don't care who said it. Yeah. And then look at that idea that's really popular um, and, and do the RPL thing. <clears throat> yeah. So don't find me. Don't find me on Twitter. I am on there, but I don't check my account. Too um, late. I already followed you. Okay. Well, my <laughs> inbox is probably full of hate mail, you know, because of, uh, I, um, but uh, and even on, even I'm doing better um, on Instagram and uh, on and Facebook. I haven't added anyone kind of new in like over a year or, or longer just as a friend, because my wife was a little concerned. I post a lot of my kids and stuff and yeah. she's like, can you just use, so I've been really, you know, hanging out on the RPL stuff. So we have a Facebook page, red pen logic. Mm -hmm. We have an Instagram account and I run both of those. So, um, if, you know, if you get interaction on there with, you know, Mr. B, it actually is me at this point. And those platforms are, I mean, they're growing like crazy. Uh, it's, it's just totally, uh, unbelievable. But if you, the, the, I want to, I want to, and you mentioned taking the truth is not ice cream course when we were off air. Yeah. Um, the, uh, so we have at STR, we just started developing these courses. Um, and there it's, it's called STRU, like, um, university kind of thing. Um, and we have different courses on different topics and uh, we're trying to make it, these courses accessible to people um, where they can learn and then apply what they've learned, um, hopefully, in their engagements. So we've, we're adding two more courses at the end of the month here, uh, one on the Bible's historicity and one on why apologetics is so important. I taught the one on why apologetics. So I want to encourage people to check those out, too. They're free. And, yeah. uh, and they're great. Yeah, they, they are, are really good. good. Yep. So stand to reason, just if you Google stand to reason, you'll find there and the university is, is a, is a part of their website. So, mm -hmm. well, Destin, once you, uh, yeah, I think it's time to there. wrap this show up and just Tim, once again, thank you so much for joining us and being a part of the show and just bringing your knowledge and experience and, uh, your logic. We love it. And it's just a, a, a great way to look at Christianity and relationships and who God is. And thank you again, Bobby, for joining us. And, and, mm -hmm. uh, we thought it was fitting that, he did most of the work leading up to this point. We definitely wanted him to be here to speak with you and, uh, and enjoy this time. But we want to thank all of our listeners. We'll put links to everything down in the description below and the, in the show notes and stuff. So y'all can link directly out to Tim's stuff and, and, uh, stand to reason and his red pen logic, uh, information. So, but we just want to wrap up the show real quick. We won't keep you all hanging too long and just say, thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of this little journey. And don't forget to reach out to us at land the plane today at gmail.com or on any of our social medias, to be able to further this conversation and to keep it going. And uh, like we said before on the last show, if you just send us your message and send us a phone number, we'll call you and we'll have a conversation about it as well. Mm. And uh, just to be able to continue having these conversations. But uh, that'll wrap up the show. Tim, again, thank you so much for joining us. We really greatly appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>